Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Oh my goodness, is your name Skeeter? That's a little scary right there. That's a funny video. And uh, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that gal that uh, has regrets, right? And um, I just want to encourage you, invite. There's some really cool... Uh, opportunities you can use these little circles and uh, we made a whole bunch of new ones because our service times have changed and so all these are new you need to throw out the old ones get the new ones and uh, get as take as many as you want and hand them out and they're all available in the lobby and we encourage you to do that I've been I've been having fun doing that just meeting people and just giving them out just it can't hurt anything right and so um, it can only help and so Today is day 40 of our 40 days of prayer, um, which is amazing. Yes, our 1040 initiative has been to pray for 10 people for 40 days, that we would have the opportunity to invite them and encourage them to uh, first meet Jesus and second come to Easter service. And so we believe God's going to open the, opening the doors. There's been story after story from people who have been inviting, who have been praying, who've seen uh, little opportunities to come about, and it's just been fantastic. And so I'm very, very excited about that and uh, know that God's doing some pretty amazing things. We'll pray for people at the end of the service today, but I believe God's doing some great things. Well, don't be that guy is, is really, uh, if I were to name this message, I would probably name it that. Don't be that guy or that gal. Um, and you'll understand. Have you ever started to do something and then somebody gets in your way from, from doing it? And you, you, you're really excited about doing something and then something interrupts you, something gets in your way, something opposes you and doesn't want you to do what you're supposed to do. Well, that, that's what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about what does it take to tick Jesus off? Isn't that a weird Palm Sunday message? It is. It's an unlikely message because there's an unlikely moment that Jesus has with disciples and more importantly, not just disciples and crowds, but with the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And we're going to answer the question, what does it take to tick Jesus off? How do we handle that? What, could we, you and me, be the people who are ticking Jesus off? And uh, that's, I know that's a crazy Palm Sunday message, but believe me, at the end of this message, you're going to be going, oh, I love that Jesus. I love that Jesus who loves us, who loves us no matter who we are and what circumstances we face and what situation it is. Do you guys have, are, is your, like, do you get angry out of just response, or do you have an organized way of getting angry? <clears throat> and what I mean by that is there are people that are just angry people, and they, they get mad at everything, right? They're just angry people, and it's like, you know, you, 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 um, uh, you cut them off uh, with a shopping cart in the, in the store, and, and uh, that just makes them mad, and they get, they fly off the handle, and they go crazy. Uh, masks are a good way to tick people off these days and you can talk about either wearing them or not wearing them and somebody has some emotion about that right even now you're going your teeth are gritting and your dentist is upset because I mentioned it um, but you know we get we get these things in our lives that tick us off and and I think if you're a principled 
person who gets ticked off, then you have an idea of what really makes you mad. You have an idea in your, in your head and in your heart what really makes you mad. What I'm going to always fight against, you have that already decided in your heart. You're a principled, angry person. And the unprincipled, angry person is the person who just goes off on everything. The, you know, they don't choose their battles, they choose every battle. And um, that's, that's not Jesus. Jesus is a principled guy that would get ticked off at only certain things. And we only see a few places in Scripture where he gets angry. And he actually calls people names. That's crazy, huh? To think that Jesus would use uh, and call people names, it's, it's pretty amazing. So how should we handle passages where we see Jesus getting ticked off? He uses a word called hypocrites. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the kinds of people that tick Jesus off. Now, he's not talking about imperfect people that are trying to be good and they, they fail at being good. He's not talking about those people. Those are, those are um, uh, people that are in process, right? We have a saying around a journey that we want progress, not perfection. Okay, we strive for perfection, but as long as we're seeing progress in our lives and progress in our, our way of life, then we're making, we're making you know, headway. But if, if we're saying we're going to make uh, perfection, and perfection is the only thing that we can uh, embrace, then the, we, can't, we can't ever embrace imperfect people. And that would just ruin the church, right? Because that would be the end of us, at least me. Um, I'm an imperfect person and willing to admit it. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm an imperfect addict, if you will. Uh, in the sense that, I, you know, the, long, the harder I strive, it seems like the harder it is to, to achieve that perfection. And so, um, what we don't want to be is the person that Jesus gets upset with by putting perfection ahead of relationship. And you'll see what I mean in just a minute. This, the context of this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He just finished the triumphal entry. And he, he's already come, and he's already in Jerusalem. And at the triumphal entry, which is Palm Sunday, this is the day where Jesus is uh, kind of symbolized in, in walking into, into Jerusalem, and he's super excited, and he's riding on this colt, and he's coming in, and he's being praised. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And everybody's just giving him uh, worship excuse me, and praise and all these things. And it's a natural uh, thing that they're excited because he's the redeemer. He's the one that's going to come and conquer the Romans and take over and, and be the ruler. And unfortunately, he was, that, that didn't last long. That, that only lasted moments because not long after that, he got interrupted. He, got, he, he was confronted with the very people that are in the way of that one thing he wants to do. In the way of that one thing he wants to help people understand. And that he is there to redeem the souls of people. He's there to give hope to the hopeless. He's there to forgive the sins of those that have made mistakes all of their lives. And he's there to be the Messiah, the Redeemer. The one who saves. And so what they said in the, in the triumphal entry, Hosanna, Hosanna, and, and, Hosanna in the highest, blessed be the, the, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, all of those words went away very quickly as he was confronted with these people, these, this, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. 
And so he enters in and he, he begins to teach and he's teaching these parables, he's teaching all these things. And then he comes to this one part that is a, a very unlikely moment. We're in this series, Unlikely. And the whole idea of the Unlikely series is to help us understand that we must cross cultural barriers. We must cross comfort zones so that we can enter into the journeys of those who want and need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what we have to do. And people are getting in his way, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They're doing things that are inhibiting the gospel from going out and the love of Jesus from being expressed. And so in Matthew 23, verse 1, we start. And it says, Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, and he starts with these warnings. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So these are people that are sitting in a, in a seat of authority. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Ouch. Man, he's just getting right to it, isn't he? He's not mincing words. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So this first warning is this idea that, hey, these, you guys need to watch out for the teachers of the law and the Pharisees because they put these loads on people, these convictions, these rules, these regulations, all these things. They put them on these people, and then they tell the people, now you go and be perfect. You carry these loads. And what's, what's wrong with them is not that they're will, not willing to carry their own load because they're pretty religious people. They're, pretty, they're willing to carry their own loads of, of religious uh, kind of uh, um, piety or, or pride, but they're not willing to help other people carry their loads. And so they put loads on people that burden, 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 and pretty soon they're way down here and they can't even walk. They can't even move. They can't even go in the direction of God because they've been so burdened down with all these rules, all these regulations. And Jesus is telling the people, his, the crowd, the disciples, watch out. These people, you should do what they're saying because they're teaching good things, but they're, but they're not living up to their own expectations. They place perfection as the, the, the goal and the, the, the rules and regulations on the people, but they don't live up to them themselves. And they're unwilling to help their protégés, their own disciples, make progress in their lives. The second warning is in verse 5. It says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries, and I'll explain what those are in a minute, wide, and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. They love to be seen. They love, these phylacteries were these little boxes, these little leather boxes. And the Bible says in, in the Old Testament, it says to tie them upon your foreheads or tie them around your arms. And these are these little leather boxes that would have certain passages of scripture in them. And they would put them in there and then they would wear them. And, and, and if you were a Pharisee or a teacher of the law, they'd make them really big. 
You know, and I'm not going to, there may be jewelry in the room that has, like I even have a, a, a bracelet on that, that has a cross on it. And I wear it not so that I'm, I can brag and say, look at me, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm something special. It actually helps me remember that I need to keep my mind on Christ every single moment of the day. And when those tassels um, uh, kind of make me feel like a spider's on my arm, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, Jesus, I need to keep him in mind. These phylacteries were things that they would wear on their foreheads and they would make them extra big and they would, you know, kind of brag and, hi, oh, I'm, I'm being religious, I'm being, I'm being all this stuff and, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to make themselves, they had these tassels on the four corners of their shirts and instead of the tassels being on the inside of their shirt, of their gown, they would <laughs> lengthen them. You thought, ladies, you thought extensions were uh, something, you know, new? <laughs> no. The, the Pharisees and Sadducees already had extensions going on. They had extensions going on their tassels. And they were wearing these tassels and they would hang way low and they're like, oh, look at that guy. He's really religious. And they wanted to be seen. And Jesus is making the point that if you have become comfortable with, or, or desirous to be noticed... For your sense of pride, you're in a wrong place. It's not the kind of relationship that he wants us to portray in our lives. And so we have to be careful. Facebook bragging, social media bragging is what this looks like, really. Um, in today's world, you can create a, your own sense of identity in a different place and on social media that has nothing really to do with who you really are. And social media, or um, you can do it any way you want. You can do it in, in your home. You can do it in your, in your workplace. You can do it all kinds of places. You don't have to be real today in today's world. You have to be careful. The third warning is in verse 8. But you are not to be called. And this is really interesting. This is a challenge uh, for many, especially from other religions that you may have come from or other faiths that you may have come from, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And, you, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. Verse 11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. These are titles of respect. These are titles of higher uh, of, of respect and honor. And when you, when you bring that title to yourself rather than earning it, that is a place of pride. And in this context, it's really interesting. They're saying, don't, don't want to be called a rabbi because a rabbi, the goal of a rabbi was to create more rabbis. And so our goal is not to become Jesus. Our goal is to always serve Jesus. So we're always disciples and we're always brothers. We're on equal ground. We're not on higher ground than anybody else. Just because I'm standing on this stage behind this pulpit and preaching the gospel, it only means that I have a place in the body of Christ, not that I'm more important than anybody else. It's very important to understand that. To be called father, and, and again, this was another place of putting someone in a place that they don't belong. God is our father. 
doesn't mean we can't have an earthly father, but we have a heavenly father, and we need to keep that father in his place. He is the only father that is our heavenly father. And to be a teacher, the word actually means instructor or master. We only have one master, and that's Jesus. And so we're not to elevate ourselves. We're not to put ourselves on a pedestal and say, I'm something special. And when we do, we get in trouble. And God doesn't like that. Humility will be rewarded. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's just just, just let God take care of the raising up and the elevating and all that, because that's where it should stay, is in God's hands. And He elevates as He... If your title is more important than your character... You've reached the Pharisee mark. Listen to that one more time. If your title is more important than your character, you've reached the Pharisee mark. There are three warnings. Make sure that you don't put cumbersome loads on people's shoulders. Don't be a Facebook bragger. And don't seek out titles. Those are the three warnings right up front. He's saying these are the things that are most important. And, and the positives of those are we need to make faith possible for anyone. Don't put such cumbersome loads on people. Just share the gospel and let Jesus do the work. And when we do that, we don't put loads and we help people. We help people grow in their faith. We don't just say, do this, do that, do this, do that. And if you match up to our expectations, then you're accepted. No, that's not the way it works. We're accepted before. We're not fish that have to be cleaned before they're caught. Amen? That's important. I want it to sink in. I didn't lose my place. That was a dramatic pause right there. Then Jesus goes on and he he gives these seven warnings and we don't have the time for me to go through all seven of them. I know you're just anxious for them. But I'm going to go through each of them very quickly. In verse 13 it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? It's a play actor. It's an actor that pretends to be somebody they're not. That's what a hypocrite is. And so this context, these, the, 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 the people who are listening to this understand that because they, they enjoy entertainment. They enjoy the, the, the acting, just like you and I enjoy movies or shows. But it says the first woe, and this woe isn't like, whoa, that's cool. No, this is woe, you're in trouble. Whoa, this is judgment. Jesus is setting himself up to be the judge because he is. He's the one we're going to stand before, not us. Therefore, we shouldn't be judging. (laughs) We shouldn't have a judge gavel in our hand. Or if you walk away from people because of what you think of that person, you have just defined yourself as the judge. Then he says, You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You've made it so hard for people to get into the kingdom that they can't. You've shut the door. It's impossible. Knock it off. Woe to you who make finding Jesus' love difficult. 
Verse 15, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. What? Jesus is ticked off. You go find somebody, you convert them to Judaism is what they would convert to, and then you put so many rules and regulations in their heart that they are no longer any good to anybody else. You've turned them into what you are. Basically, he's saying to those Pharisees and teachers of the law, you're a child of hell. Don't make the kingdom difficult. Verse 16, woe to you blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Pharisees were encouraging people to play with God and play with their promises. One promise could be good and the other promise doesn't really matter because it's what you swear by. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't do that to people. Their yes is yes and their no is no. And that's all that really matters. Don't play with God. Don't play with promises. And don't play with his stuff. It's the gold. The gold isn't sacred. It's the temple that is. It's where Jesus abides that is, is sacred. And don't ever desecrate that. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were trying to say, it's not the temple, it's the gold. No, it's the temple that makes the gold sacred. Don't mess with God's stuff. Verse 23, Woe, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, tithing, without neglecting the former. The justice, the mercy, and the faithfulness. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. You major on the minors. You make small things big. You make mountains out of molehills. You're trying to do things. You're trying to give everybody attention to the, to the little things, the tiny things, instead of the big thing, which is give your heart to Jesus. Love God. These, these, these uh, mint, dill, and cumin, they were very, very small crops and a very, very small issue in regards to the tithe. But that's the attention that the Pharisees were giving them themselves to is all these little tiny things instead of the big thing can we get people to love jesus can we give our hearts can we make sure that justice and mercy and 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 um what was the other word uh faithfulness those justice and mercy and faithfulness are being exercised amongst people instead of worrying about how much cumin you tithed a little tiny bit in comparison to justice and mercy and faithfulness. Let's not major on the minors. Let's major on the majors. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. God is our Father, and He loves us. Verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Do you hear God's ticked offness? That's even a word. 
He's not happy with people who paint themselves to be beautiful and, and, and think they have all this together, but on the inside, there's darkness and evil and, 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 and sin, and, and it's just ravaging the inside, but the outside, they're going, hey. And they look great. What, what's beautiful about God is he sees what's going on on the inside. He knows what's happening in there. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. And he reads us and he understands. And what ticks him off is when people are fake. False appearances. People don't want to see perfect people in our, in our culture today. They're, they're not worried about how perfect you and I are. They're worried about how real you and I are. And so is God. God knows we're not perfect God knows we're not the, 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 the perfect people, but when we try and portray ourselves as that, it's not authentic. It's not real. It's not genuine. People are looking for genuine people, not fake. Verse 29, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and, de and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murder the prophets, who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. He's basically saying, you guys wish, you guys tell me that you're better than the past. But you're not. You have wishful thinking that you're better than those who came before you. You're not going to persecute or kill or murder prophets. But in essence, they're doing the very thing. Let's be real with ourselves. That's all this is saying is let's not be hypocrites. Let's, let's not be people who are, are trying to portray something that we're not. Let's admit that the only thing we've got going for us is Jesus. The only thing, the only hope we have, the only joy that comes in the morning is from Him. The only strength that we have is not our own. It's His. The joy that, we come, that, that, that comes in our hearts is His. The hope that we have to live eternally is from Him. It's not anything we've done. And therefore, we should not put that load on anybody else to say, you got to be this before you can be that. God does that. He's the light that shines, right? Not you and me. We just carry the flashlight. We just carry the Jesus that's the flashlight. We let him make the difference in our hearts. And when that happens, we see great things happen. Verse 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Here's where he starts calling names. I already called them hypocrites. I already said some pretty brutal, brutal things. But then he says, you snakes. Not a good term. You brood of vipers. <laughs> Jesus is calling people names. Now, don't think that that's a good thing for you and me to do. That's not our job. But he calls them names because he identifies them as the enemy. Religiosity, judgmentalism, 
trying to be somebody that you're not is an enemy of the gospel. When they, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were getting in the way of his mission to redeem the world. And even today, there are churches and people in churches today that, that get in the way of the gospel because we want to expect so much of people before they even know Jesus. And we try and do Jesus' work for him. We try and, and, and expect things out of people that, don't, that can't ever happen, even in your and my life, without Jesus himself in our lives. And when we make the gospel complicated, when we make it difficult, we break the heart of Jesus. And I want you to hear this last passage. Because you go, man, that is just one of the ugliest Palm Sunday messages I have ever heard. Three warnings, seven woes. What's going on, pastor? Well, number one, you need to know I'm just following the leading of the Lord. Two, I believe this passage has an enormous amount of hope in it because of this last passage. Verse 30, 37, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Doesn't that sound good? Not really. How often, listen to this, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing? I want you to hear this. How often have I longed to gather your children together as, hen, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? This is the passion. This is the desire. This is why Jesus gets ticked. Is because I can't gather my kids there's one thing that Jesus wants to do more than anything, and that is to pull us together. All of humanity, whom he looks at as his children, and says, I want to gather with you. But when people get in the way of that, when people get in the way of that, that's when he starts calling names. That's when he gets ticked. I don't know about you, but if you ever came between me and my kids, or you ever try and harm my kids, that's when I'm going to get ticked. The last part of this passage says, look, your house is left to you desolate. In other words, your house, the, the temple is ruined because of your teaching. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Guess what those words were from? Palm Sunday. Just a few days prior, that's what everybody was singing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We are so blessed that he came. We are so blessed that Jesus has come in the name of the Lord to redeem our souls and to give us hope and to bring redemption to those that are lost. Those that are hurting, those that are struggling, those that are worried about life, those that don't have Jesus to hang on to, this is, we are blessed because we've, we've been blessed to experience that. We have Jesus in our hearts, and today we are blessed because he's here. Church, we cannot put barriers up. We need to listen to those first three warnings. We should not put barriers up to faith. We should not make uh, faith difficult for people let's just introduce people to Jesus and Jesus handles it from there because of his love and grace 
because of his power, because of his work on the cross, people can experience the redemption of their souls. We must not seek or carry titles. The only one we want to carry is that of a believer. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And if there's anybody you see in me, I hope it's Jesus. That's the only title we want. We don't need the title of rabbi or father or teacher or something special. We don't need that. What we need is I am a disciple of Jesus Christ and I have the message of his love and grace in my heart. And we serve. And we serve without the need for attention. We're not trying to get everybody to see us. We're not trying to get everybody to notice us. The only person that we're, we want to get attention is Jesus. So when we serve, when we serve our community, when we touch the hearts and lives of single moms on May 22nd, May 22nd, we're going to have a single mom's oil change. And when we do that, I don't care what the community sees, what we want are those moms to see Jesus. Amen? We do want the community to know we're here. But we can only do that by showing them Jesus. And when they see Jesus in our hearts, they will fill this place. Today, I believe, on Palm Sunday, what we need to realize is that we need to not get in the way of Jesus to the cross. We need to not get in the way of people uh, that want to experience Jesus. And we don't need to load them up with burdens or rules or regulations. If, if we're walking away from someone because they make us uncomfortable, walk back. Walk back because that's the person that Jesus is wanting you to be a testimony to and a story to and a witness to and a love to. If you're walking away from people because of what you think of them or believe about them, you've just identified a woe. And you need to turn your heart back to Jesus and say, God, take that out of my heart. Don't let me walk away from anybody because God desires that everybody accept him as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Blessed is he who came in the name of the Lord. You and I are that person today. We are representative of that person. Let's walk into people's journeys. Let's join their journey and let them experience the Jesus in us. Not us, but the Jesus in us. And I believe we're going to see amazing things happen. As we anticipate next Sunday, I pray that this week will be an invite week. That this week will be a week where we use our cards, where we pray, continue to pray. It's not just 40 days. Let's pray for it 100 days, 1,000 days, whatever it takes to see people redeemed in their lives. And so will you stand with me and let's pray this morning that God will help us to be an open gate, not a closed gate. That we will be people that are showing Jesus and not worried about our title, but the title of uh, Jesus Christ in our lives. Let's serve with a heart that says, I don't care who you see as long as you see Jesus. That's all I care about. Lord, we come to you today and we believe that you are calling us, Lord, to a place in life where we do not want to be these Pharisees and these teachers of the law that make things difficult for people to believe in you. We don't want to get in the way of the mission. We want to get out of the way so that you can be glorified, so that people can see you and, love, and know your love and grace for their lives. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit 
right now will move in us in such a way that we will repent of anything that, has, ha, that we've been a part of to keep people away. And that includes doing nothing. That includes doing absolutely nothing, God. We, we, we repent of the fact that we've not been a witness to someone, that we've not sh shared your love and grace with people, that we've walked away from people that made us uncomfortable. Lord, help us to do everything we can to be your witness, your testimony to this world and keep the gate of, of faith open for those that are hungry for you. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room right now, Lord, that you would help us to represent you to this world, to not have any part in, in, in getting in the way. And so, Lord, I pray that your anointing would rest on every heart. And that anointing simply means that you are pouring out your presence and love and grace in us and giving us the same approach to this community and to everyone we come in contact with if you are physically here. Help us, God, to love. Help us to represent you. Help us to give everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. If you're here today, and you've been a, you, you've, you're seeking out God. You want God in your life, and you don't know how to do it. The simple way to do that is simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And accept his forgiveness in your life and believe that he was raised from the dead. Easter will celebrate that resurrection. And then commit to follow him for the rest of your life. The Bible tells us that if you do those three things, you will be saved. You will be guaranteed a place in the family of God and in eternity with God. And if that's you and you want to accept Christ today, I just want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I realize that I've made mistakes in my life and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you forgive me and I accept the forgiveness that was provided for me on the cross when you died for me. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And today, I accept the promise of eternal life to live eternally with you in relationship with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.